0: G'day everybody and welcome to the second part of our look at Fru Publications. In this episode, Jermaine and I discuss our thoughts on where the future of the company may lie and what we would do if we had unlimited money and could produce our own Phantom Comics. At the end of the episode, um, please let us know if you've enjoyed it by emailing us at chroniclechamber at at gmail.com or leaving your comments on our Facebook page. We'd particularly like to know what you think of the new segments we've included and the music that introduces them. Alright, I hope everybody enjoys the episode. With the uh, history of Fru covered, we'll just go into some, I suppose, some general discussion about Fru. Um, We did post a thread up on Facebook a while ago. uh, If you're a member of the, um, member of the Phantom Collector page, you may remember seeing that. And it's interesting uh, that we were mentioning the covers before because of all the people that commented, um, that sort of, sort of, seems to still be the one thing everyone is saying that they'd like the covers to be improved. Um, you started that that conversation on, on the page there, Jermaine. Were you interested in what people were saying? Were you surprised by any of the replies?
1: Um, Not really. Um, <laughs> I, I guess it's um, stuff that I've kind of known and kind of thought was people's opinions for the last, you know, probably for the last 10 years that ten plus years that I've been active on the internet discussing the phantom. Um it's it's I've I've had some discussions, you know, offline, you know, with some other people as well, including some people that are a little bit more knowledgeable than me. Um and it's you know, it is interesting discussing, you know, the I don't know what you would call it, the the retirement of the fru or the old age of fru or the um, the fall of through or whatever you want to call it, but yeah, I think the I think that most people have problems with the covers. Um, like I said, for me it's from from a pure like I'm a I collect the fandom, but I enjoy reading the fandom. That's what I enjoy as a number one is reading the comic. So from a pure reading point of view, my biggest concern is the print quality. And the fact that it's still being printed on butcher's paper.
0: Yes. Yes. And that, that actually came up in this conversation. Um, Lindsay mentioned on, in the conversation, I think she also mentioned it in our first episode, that it seems to her, and she's, you know, a professional artist, so she knows more about this sort of stuff than I do, but it seems to her that maybe through, uh, when they get the artwork, isn't scanning it in at the highest resolution, um, so if that's the case, then there really isn't any excuse for that because it doesn't cost you anything extra to scan, you know, a, a book in at a higher resolution. It might take a couple more minutes, but but your print quality at the end is going to be so much better. Um,
1: um, yeah, it's kind of like um, it's kind of like you know they get the old they get the old free comic because they don't have the you know the artwork and all that on um, uh on file, and so they yeah. scan it in and they scan in it you know, 75 DPI instead of, you know...
0: 300.
1: 300, which is the, you know, the I guess the minimum for, um, for a print quality. Exactly, exactly. Um, but I guess a lot of that comes down to the fact that, you know, for, for people who are, who are designers or in the art world like yourself, Lindsay, and, you know, even me because I'm in the design industry as well, that's common knowledge, but I wonder... If it is a common knowledge for um, for Jim and now Judith and and. Then.
0: Well, one one would think if you're in the business of printing,
1: um,
0: yeah, print media, you would you would know that.
1: <laughs> you would you would hope so,
0: but um, like, I
1: guess it, yeah.
0: That that may not be the problem. It could be it could be a fault on the um, printer's end. It could have nothing to do with fruit, and then they get the issue back and they have the fuzzy printing and maybe their lead time doesn't allow them to get it reprinted. Although, if that is the case, again, one would think you would be looking at it. Um, well,
1: you would think that it would happen maybe once or twice, and yeah. then if it continues to happen, you would say, well, look, you know, it's not our fault, it's your fault, fix it, or we go elsewhere.
0: Exactly, exactly.
1: Um, I, I don't... I, I can't really see a, um, an excuse for the or for any of the problems, which I think comes down to cover cover quality, printing cover uh, quality, and then also um, the quality of the material that it's printed on. Yes. Um, I, I guess if you want to improve it, whether it's using, you know, local artists or up-and-coming artists or even getting the covers from um, from uh, from Egmont um, or, you know... Getting your known artists like your Glenn Ford's and your Antonio Lemos that have that have history with the Phantom, it is going to cost extra money, and so I guess that and extra time as well is also extra money, and I guess that's what um what it all comes down to.
0: Yeah, and I think that point about money is an important one because. Throughout the history of Fru, of course, the cost of printing has risen, the cost of paper has risen, risen, and one of Jim's things when he was in control of the company was to always try and keep it affordable, which is an honourable thing to do because you want you know people to be able to enjoy the product they enjoy. However, I think it's got to the point where that, for lack of a better term, cost-cutting has come to the detriment of the comic. Um, Definitely. And- hence the poor printing and and the poor paper stock. Now, it's interesting that whenever people mention, oh, you know, we need better paper or whatever, someone, there's always someone that goes, oh, but then it's going to cost, you know, five bucks an issue, and I don't want to pay that. Well, if you don't want to pay that, then what are you reading comics for in the first place? Because that's generally what comics cost now. Not through, obviously, but if you go and buy an American one or one at a comic stock Shop, you're going to be paying that. However, the thing is, if you look at it, Fru currently comes out fortnightly. If they increased the quality of their paper, have maybe not ne- necessarily glossy paper, but that thicker stock paper that um that uh, I think Image uses. And I'll just look at some of my um American comics here. No, I can't. I can't find it now. But the Marvel and DC were using it for a while. Um, Just thicker paper stock To keep the um, The pages From Well basically falling apart And the ink from smudging It might raise your price a bit But then you could Reduce the output Until um, Once a month Maybe That way you're going to have Excuse me You're going to have more time To produce the comic You're going to have um, More time to create An original cover and also, it won't be as much on the consumer because they're not paying as much for the comic. So if you buy two Phantom comics now per month, that's what seven bucks. So
1: yeah, because they're now three fifty, and you gotta remember yeah. they're coming out every fortnight.
0: Exactly, and sometimes so every week. So if you had a one a- month comic at five dollars with better quality paper and better quality cover, I think. Lots and lots of fans would be happy with that. Well, you'll be actually paying less because yeah, exactly.
1: On average, there's three a month. Let's just say, for example, um, that's you know seven. That's ten dollars. Mm-hmm. And so you could quite, you know, and then you could even bump it up to a you know a fifty-two page or or you know or something or maybe even a double issue. So thirty-six plus thirty-six pages. Um, is well, uh, 72 pages, so uh, once a month. So then you can have two stories a month. So yep. then you're having less covers. Um, it's interesting that the Norway, uh, version of the Phantomette has actually, uh, is doing that. So they have once a month comics now. Yeah. Um, and, So every issue is kind of like a double now, and then even some of the Swedish ones, the Phantom Men, uh, they have occasionally doubles. Now I think their prices are on average about five to six dollars Australian. Oh okay. uh, That's if you look at how much, you know, like in comparison. In comparison, um, and their their quality of the of the printing, I think it's the same as what you're talking about as well. Um, and it, and it looks, it looks decent enough. It's, you know, it's still thin, so it's, you know, not too expensive, but it's, um, it's not butcher's paper.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, it's interesting too, because a lot of, a lot of people were saying, well, if it was once a month, but the quality was better, then I'd be happy to buy it. So I think there's definitely, yeah you know, there's definitely some, some room there to move if it were to, um. To look at that, the um, sorry. I think I think a lot of it's
1: just got to come down with, um, uh, to see what happens, see what the market, see if the market does buy. Exactly. Um, you know, like for instance, you know, maybe do a year of once a month,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and then and you know, if the prices do go up, if people are happy with it, then you can go with that. But if not, you just go back to what you were before.
0: Yeah, exactly. And um, I think it it might have been you that suggested... um, Maybe it wasn't. I'm trying to find the comment now. Uh, Yeah, yeah, it was you that suggested maybe changing the printing to overseas because a lot of comic publishers, as you say in your comment, print overseas now because it's cheaper. Um, I honestly don't know if the Phantoms published uh, through publishers... or sorry, prints their, their comics in Australia or not. But, um, I
1: think they do I think it's um, I've just got a latest free comic here I uh, printed by uh, a Cadillac printing in South Australia
0: oh there you go so yeah they could even look at changing printers to to save the money but of course that would upset probably a lot of people about um, you know not using Australian printers for an Australian comic I'm sure there's people that would be upset about that so, um, a lot of the other comments that were made yeah. were, um, looking at the future of Fru. And one suggestion, which I believe might have been mine or maybe someone said it for me and I just carry on the conversation, um, was the fact that Fru has, they've kind of missed it for the, for the Lee stories, but with the Egmont story scene, they already have the right to publish them in Australia. They could start releasing collected editions of those stories. With um, sales of trade paperbacks and hardcover collections being as high as they are now, especially in bookstores, I think that that would be quite a good move on for his part. And it would enhance the um, exposure of the character as well.
1: Yeah, um, I've got quite a few of the uh, the, well, the other ones in. In, paper, um, in hardback and they are very, very nice just the way they do whether or even the hems hems have done them recently which um, yep. a lot of us Australian um, uh, readers might have yep it's really nice yeah they're more expensive Um, uh, but I don't see a problem why you couldn't do it again to see whether it works or not exactly um, I know um a lot of the Swedish and Norway publishers they did like um uh so they compiled all the stories featuring like the first phantom and like printed all of those. And then they did like the second phantom, and then they did like the third phantom and all the way up. Oh I should so be it's yes. similar as what the uh generations that Moonstone did instead mm-hmm. of just the one story that like compile them all. Yeah. Um you know, and you could Maybe print, make make the covers look like a chronicle, a chronicle book, and um, you know with the brown and like the leather, leather you know the fake leather binding and stuff like that, and really, really pimp it up. And all right, you're probably looking at maybe a hundred bucks for a you know for a book or something. But I think if you if it if the quality is really really good and you know there's stories that we haven't read before and it's done up as a collector's item. I think people would buy it.
0: Exactly. And even, you wouldn't even have to go, although, you know, to have that $100 beautiful book on your shelf would be amazing. You wouldn't even have to go to that extreme. Like, um, if you just got, you know, your stories and, and chucked them into, because they're already black and white. So if you got into, um, just got all the stories and printed them, still in black and white but on better quality paper and, had a nice cover to it. It would still, I think, be you know something that a lot of people a lot of people would would go after. I'm just looking um, now. I recently bought bought Punisher Max hardcover um, from Book Depository, and it's an oversized hardcover. It's got about I think it's uh, about six issues in it, um, color, all that sort of thing, and it was only twenty dollars. So. Admittedly, that's off Book Depository, which generally um, creases things. I'll just look it up. So the recommended retail price for that is 22 bucks. So it's not going to break bank to do that. And, again, if it's in black and white, it's going it's going to be cheaper. So I definitely think there's a market there for a collected volumes. And, yeah, you could can, can have two lines. You could have your ultra-high-quality stuff like you were talking about, um, and then you can just have your stuff for people that just want to read the book. Um, you could do a similar thing. To what uh, DC is doing with the Absolute Editions, where they release a story in a soft cover trade collection, but then they also do the Absolute, which it has you know your giant size and your leather bound cover and um, your high gloss printing and slipcase case and all that sort of stuff. There's a market there for both those kind of publications.
1: And I, I think the one that you discussed will probably be a good you know, a a good intermediate one. um, Yeah. Because I I think it's obvious by the comments that you do get, people don't want to pay too much for their comic. Mm. And if you, you know, um, if you were to increase, you know, for instance, the annual, maybe instead of the annual is that you do, you know, you select five to ten stories of the first Phantom, publish it, make it, you know, charge twenty twenty five dollars for it, and it's, you know, five 600 pages, that you know, and do that once a year.
0: Exactly. And, and the problem with, um, with Fru's printing of particularly the Egmont stories as well, although this isn't a problem because of Fru, it's actually the way uh, Egmont published the stories and then Fru gets them, is that often multi-part stories have an issue or even two issues between each part, because, of course, Egmont publishes monthly, whereas Fru publishes fortnightly. Um, So if Fru were to, say, wait until all those parts of each issue came in and then publish it all in the one book, then, one, the reading experience is enhanced because it's not broken up. Two, people can easily go and get that that story you know if people are online or whatever and saying oh you've got to read such and such a story it's great you don't have to track down you know six or seven individual issues you just go to your bookstore or your comic store and go right I want that trade or that collected edition and, and there you go so it's making the stories um, a lot more accessible for people as well
1: I think they used to do that
0: um like, I, I think they used to do that with like
1: the tri, the triads issue uh, the five part series um, and then the golden rune um, issues as well I think they were all stagnated over um, overseas and released uh, chronologically for um, uh, for Australian readers but um, yeah I'm not sure why they stopped doing that I believe it might have something to do with the fact that, with the internet, you know, people, you know, generally don't want to wait for stuff. So, we, you know, mm-hmm. we wouldn't want to wait, you know, four months to read the first part when yeah. all of our friends in Norway and Swedish in Sweden, in Sweden are already, you know, talking about, you know, the first two parts of the story and, and stuff like that. So maybe that might have something to do with it.
0: Yeah. I'm just, I'll just um, get a quick search in my database for um, the year one storyline. And from issue 1390 to uh, 1402, it's all consecutive. Um, then 1403 was an unrelated issue. Then year one started again in 1404, but then there was a huge wait until the next part up um, until issue 1407. So there was a fair few issues there where there wasn't no issue released that had anything to do with that story that people had just been reading and it does get frustrating but anyway that's you know something that perhaps Fru will look at although I think you know in our heart of hearts we all know that Fru is pretty set in their ways
1: yeah yeah so (laughs) I I guess that that raises is what is the future of Fru because um, you know in in the rumour mills on the on the internet it was going to be Jim's older son. Yeah. Um, that took over. who's going to take over it. We saw a, a brief article by him in the um, uh, tribute to Jim Shepherd, but we haven't heard anything from him since. So No and I have heard some sources say that he is not interested in taking over. So does that mean, you know, it's going to be you know Judith and um, Judy, I think, is the secretary's name. Yes, um, I think so. yeah, Judy is the secretary's name. So is it going to be the two of them until until what? You know, what, what is what is going to be the future? Is there a future with the three?
0: Yeah, exactly, and it's it's quite concerning, of course, for um, a lot of Australian fans, and I suppose a lot of international fans as well. Um, so I know a lot of international fans will, will import the through issues or. Or whatever but um the problem is if if uh judith and judy do give up with through for whatever reason whether they just feel that you know they want to stand aside or you know unless it's like like jim that they work until their dying day eventually they won't be there at some point to continue on so would a current you know publishing company buy the rights to to the so the character, I mean, newspapers in Australia recently have just cut a whole heap of comic strips from their newspapers, and I know that's a, a separate thing, but the comic book industry in Australia is not what you would call huge. You probably wouldn't even call it big. So would a publishing house see the value in carrying on with the, with the comic? Would they even feel that there's a market worth following there? Um,
1: I don't know. I, I, I think... You know, it could happen, or I think the more the, the most likely one is that there's going to be a, um, you know, a, a phantom fan out there who's going to probably pick it up, mm. or maybe, you know, it's going to be left to Egmont to either start printing an English one, or we're all going to have to start learning to read Sweet- um, Swedish and uh, or Norwegian.
0: Yeah, Exactly. Or be like our um, poor American friends and just wait until Dynamite finally does something. (laughs) Which they are doing now, so I shouldn't be too hard on them. But it was a bloody long wait between The Last Phantom and King's Watch. Between dream. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So just, just as a hypothetical, if you could control the future of Fru, if you could have them do exactly what you wanted, what would it be?
1: Um, all right. Well, first of all, I'll probably maybe go to, instead of the 31 issues, at least the 26 issues, mm-hmm. so the fortnightly. Um, you would, you know, improve the covers and the printing quality. The, you know, look at overseas, see if you can get it cheaper, um, because, you know, if you can keep the price at the same and then do better quality, you know, it's a win-win. If not, you would look at, you know, what we discussed earlier. Another thing is I would do is a website um, yep. and and allow subscriptions to be more accessible. Like, Free do do is subscriptions at the moment, but you either got to have to send a check into them or ring them up and do a credit card over the phone, which is fine for, you know, for an Aussie, but for, you know, a fan and Fan over in the States or you know over in india or some of these other places where you know they would like a free comic you know and a simple online subscription you know could be beneficial because it would i don't know what the um the prices are you know what you lose and all that with um it going from you know publisher to news agent to consumer but i would assume you would um you know, you wouldn't lose that much more doing subscription, and you'd probably gain probably at least another two, two thousand subscribers for every issue with, with overseas people.
0: Yeah, you're probably right in that. Probably right. Um,
1: and that, you know, I'm sure that, I don't know what that would be in, rev, you know, in revenue or profit, but I'm sure it would help. Yeah. Um, but I think those simple things would probably, would probably help, and like, I, I wouldn't. You know, I'm not a print designer. I'm more of an online designer, so I wouldn't know what the um, what the outlay costs are. But I wouldn't expect it to be. Too, wouldn't expect it to be too much.
0: Sure. Yeah. Sounds like you've got good all planned there, mate. <laughs>
1: yeah, I just need someone to uh, give me the job now. Yeah.
0: <laughs> 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 yeah. Well, I, I agree with most of what you say, but I think what I would do if if I had my way and i had the money to do it is um i'd probably bring i'd bring the publication back uh, to once a month and i would definitely i think the highest thing on my to-do list would be to get a uh, a license agreement with kings to create original stories and get um some local talent to start creating some original phantom stories because we know you know you've we've both been in the um Phantom community for long enough that we know there are some very talented people out there that would give their probably both their arms, not just their left one, to work on the Phantom. And I think there is so much talent in in this country, um, artists and writers that it, it's just it's just a shame that we haven't been able to have that chance. Um, so that's that's probably the, the big thing I would do would be to do that. But I know that there are people that enjoy the Egmont um, stories. So I would probably have several lines. I'd have your regular monthly line, which would be the new fandom, uh, Australian creative fandom stories. I'd have a secondary line for um, the Egmont stuff that people like. Personally, I'm not a huge fan of particularly the recent uh, Egmont stuff. Um, I've been buying the issues off and on over the last two months and some of the stories are great and some of them are just um, wonderful yeah I'm glad the comic's only $3.50 if that was an American comic and I was paying the prices I am for those I would drop that in a second um but what if you you had
1: two what if you were paying you know five dollars and you had two woeful stories in one would it be still a rip-off
0: well I suppose it's a very personal question um
1: because not I every would... story is going to be, you know, uh, worthy of of an award. And so, for instance, if you do get two average stories, you know, is it is the comic going to be a waste of money if if you're only paying five bucks and you get two phantom stories?
0: Yeah. Well, again, like I say, I think I think it's a very personal question. I I can see the argument for both sides. Like I can see people would go no because. You no, know, you still have that issue, you still have that in your collection, it's only five bucks, you know, that's great. But I can also see the other people going, well, that's just five bucks I've wasted on two crap stories where I could have bought something else. So I think it's very personal. For me, um, it would depend on the frequency of those rubbish stories because with any run of comics, doesn't matter if it's been going for a year or 70 years, you're going to get the odd dodgy story. So if you get, you know, a couple of dodgy stories, then you just go, oh, well, it's a crap story, but the next issue will be better. Um, but if it's continually bad, which um, I felt for a long time that the the Eggmont stuff was, which is why a couple of years ago I stopped buying the Phantom altogether Together, because I was just continuously disappointed with the stories I was getting, Um then yes, I think you would feel it's a waste of money. But I think there's a lot of um, different reasons why you would feel that it might be a waste of money, or um, these different circumstances, and you know, obviously how much money you're you're earning. If five bucks a month for a crap comic is just oh well whatever to you, then that's great. But if you're someone that mightn't be earning a lot of money, then that five dollars might you know go a long way. It might go to buy you lunch instead of you know this rubbish comic so like i say i think it's a very personal personal um response to that question mm. um but to go back to what i was saying yeah I'd, I'd keep the i'd keep the Eggmont stories going and i'd also have i um probably a line for leaf walk reprints but it might not be very regular maybe once a um once every four months or something because there's only a f- finite number. Fru's at the point now where they've printed every leaf fork story so people that have been reading the um, the comic for a while have got you know several copies of the same story in their collection um, and with Hermes doing those nice big hard covers they've kind of got that market covered as well so I think you know, you'd be exploring all these different things but my big thing would be to get a, a local creative team creating stories. That's that's what I would do. Fair enough. So, um, anything else about free you'd like to discuss or cover?
1: Oh, look, well, if there's any financial backers out there, they can uh,
0: give you a call, though. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, if anyone wants to um, pay us to work on Phantom Comics, then we're more than happy to do that. So, contact us at chroniclechamber.com. <laughs> okay. Right, well I reckon that's probably wrapped up our discussion on through for the moment yep. anyway. Radio right, yeah. Okay, well let's go on to our final segment for the episode, um, which basically we talk about any new comics I've read, but be they Fru or be they um, American issues or Scandinavian issues or new comics or old comics. Have you read anything recently, Jim?
1: Uh, well, I've got the latest Fru's here, um, going from uh, 1669 to 1672. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got The Invisible Eyes, Yep. Uh, which is um, done by a Class or class uh, Remithi, I I can't say his name. Remithi, is it? Yeah, and Henia Bade, which sees the return of the vultures, Mm -hmm. um, which is always interesting. Um, The the artworks, I've never really been a huge fan of his, to be truthfully honest. Yeah. Um, But from what I've understood, his... his, um, He's a bit of a veteran at the moment, so it's amazing that he's still uh, producing, you know, fairly high quality. But it's probably not up to my standard. Yeah. Um, the story's, you know, ho ho hum. Um, <laughs> you know, we've seen it before. You've got poachers and the phantom stops it. It's a typical phantom story, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, you know, phantom sees bad guy. Phantom, you know, bashes bad guy, puts a skull mark on him, and we all live happily ever after. Um. So yeah, so I don't, have you read that one?
0: No, I haven't. I haven't as of yet. No.
1: The next one is 1670, which is the pandemic, um, yep. which is done by, um, uh, the new Phantom Rider in Phil Madden. Madden and yeah Madden and Sal Valetio, which is not Alex Saviak as um as free thought it was. It was a bit of a printing error. Um, now this story is interesting. Uh, have you read this one?
0: No, I actually have it here to read, and I love Sal Sel- Velucia's artwork. Absolutely love it. But, um, no, I haven't read it yet. I have it here. Yeah,
1: I think this one's a must read, because, um, I'm not, I'm not sure on the ending. Like, the ending, if you haven't read it, read it, because, um, anyone out there, because the ending's different, in the okay. sense that, um, Uh, yeah, well, I won't spoil it, but, um, read it and then maybe we can discuss it next time. But the story's very, very fast-paced, like, um, Phil Madden does an amazing job to be able to get so much wrapped up into 31 pages of a comic.
0: So so you would say it's a good story? Oh, it's
1: probably, it's probably one of the better ones that I've read in the last, you know, probably this year,
0: um... um, did you read the Basilic film Yeah, first... I didn't like that one. Yeah, um, that's what I was going to say. I read that and thought it was really average, bordering on bad. Um, and I thought, oh, when I first saw that we had Phil Madden and it's a new ride, I thought, oh, great, we'll get some fresh blood in and stir things up a bit. But, but no, it, was, it wasn't a good story. So I'm glad that um, the pandemic is, is a turn up for the best because... Um, Yes, I, I was a bit disappointed with, with the Basilic, to be honest.
1: Now, yeah, apparently he's writing quite a few stories. Um, I know he's got another one with Alex Saviak. I think it is, like, later on in the year. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so he's got a few. Now, I, I, I enjoyed the story. Um, I would recommend, if people are choosing what they buy, um, that I would recommend people actually do read it. Yep. Um, the Arts Not Sells Best Work, Um I, I don't know whether he's got a new assistant or, or whatever, but um, I've seen, I've because like, I like his I like his artwork as well, but it's probably not his best his um, best art that I've that I've seen him do. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Uh, um, and then we got one six seven one, which is the Horton Bay, which is um, written and done by Hans Lindell. Um, Hansel and Dale would be probably one of my favourite artists or favourite current artists.
0: Yeah, his art um, is really nice. Now, this
1: story is interesting. Um, again, I won't, again, I won't give away the ending of the story, but I guess the question is, is, is it real or is it a dream? Oh, okay. Um, so oh, okay. it's something that you've got to read. I've read it a couple of times just to try and see if I can pick any um any hints. I, I would like to believe that... Uh, a dream, because I'm not really into the two sci-fi phantom stories, but I get the feeling that it's more of a um, it's a real story. Um, another interesting thing is that the president, which is briefly seen, she does not appear to be as pregnant as she has been in some other issues.
0: Oh, that's interesting.
1: So that's a bit of an interesting side note, but i recommend that story. Um, again, if you're uh, someone who... Um, is selective in what they read, um, I would recommend that one.
0: Oh, good. I've got and that then, here to read as well.
1: And then the latest issue is 1672, which is, ironically, it's actually through 17th 100th edition. Oh, wow. Um, it features a, a nice fluffy piece by Barry uh, Stubbardsfield, the Phantom Historian. Um, which is a message to the publisher. <laughs> um, now the story we've seen before in 19 uh, no 903 back in 1988. So for majority of the readers, you probably haven't seen this story before. It's again, it's a very typical phantom story. You know, um, people in danger, phantom saves the day. You know, he battles the bad guys, battles the sharks, so there's some, you know, good under, underwater scenes. Um, you know, he faces death and then miraculously gets away from it somehow. Um, so, yeah, so it's a very typical Phantom story. Um, the artwork's is done by Henny R. Bade, but in looking at this artwork, which was back in the, you know, in the 80s, and then looking at his current artwork, you wouldn't, think that it's the same artist oh okay um but i guess you know from 85 to 2013 that's what almost 30
0: years so yeah style tends to change
1: yeah and i think back then the artwork was actually done for black and white where today the artwork's done for color yeah so i guess that's got a fair bit to do with it as well Oh, yeah, and the fan gets beaten up by a girl as well, which is always interesting.
0: <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, um, I've read uh, a few comics. Um, I read Rhodey and Night, which I can't remember anything about, so that probably explains how much I enjoyed it. Um, actually, I think it's part two of the story, and I didn't actually read part one, so that might have been part of the reason I didn't enjoy it. Um, I read The Basilic, as we as we discussed earlier. Um, however, on that, I'm just looking. I put some comments up on it, um, on the the Chronicle Champ forms. And um, I, it's reminded me that the issue had quite a few dialogue problems. Uh, I know that Fru's translation is not always 100% accurate, because uh, obviously they have to translate it from Swedish to English and Sometimes, you know, things can get lost in translation, which, which you know, is kind of understandable every now, now and again, but I think, like the printing situation, it does happen a little too often. But anyway, for example, on page 6, panel 2, the man whose wife was taken says, and my wife was taken and that there was nothing I could do. Um, and right next to him, a fella goes, there was little you could do. So they're basically saying, the exact same thing in the same panel, and it just felt really, really unbalanced to me. It's like, you know, why do you need to state it twice? But the worst instance in this issue, and this really threw me. And I don't know how through let it get through. I think, you know, Jim. I thought Jim might have edited this because I'm pretty sure this was came out before he passed away. Um.
1: Uh, no, it was uh, no, afterwards.
0: No, it was after. You're right. It was after. But you think someone would have picked this up in, um, sorry, yeah, in panel two on page eleven, Diana says to the villain, the person posing as a basilisk, "I hope I get the chance to kill you." Now, that is hugely out of character for her. Um, yeah, that just completely threw me, and I'm amazed that, that surely that can't be the actual dialogue. And if it is, how it was approved by? Um, Egmont and King Features, I'll never know. Because, yeah, there are certain things you can do where, yeah, maybe it's not quite the character, but you know, acceptable in the confines of the story. Like in um, the Phantom Year One, where he had the bullet in the back of his head and he wanted to go out and just murder everyone. It kind of worked within the confines of the story, because it was out, out of, he wasn't in his right mind. He had that bullet pr- pressuring his brain that was sending him a bit nuts. So in the confines of the story, it worked. But that line, I hope I get the chance to kill you, is just yeah, that just ruined what little grace of the issue had for me and again was part of the reason I thought oh god, what's this Philip Madden fella going to be like, but maybe it was a translation error, I, I don't know but it's a very strange line for Diana to say
1: Yeah, it was but from from history, whenever I've you know, read you know, new new writers, they've always taken one or two issues to kind of get in the swing of, of the character. That's true. And the same as the artist. So, but like I said, I was, I was impressed with the Pandemic story. I really enjoyed that. So I think it's fair to say that, you know, he's a talented writer, and I I, well, I hope and I believe that um, if he writes more of stories like the Pandemic, it should be good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other one issue I read was the two-story special which featured um, Revenge in Rhodia and The Great Deception. Um, the Great Deception I didn't care for very much, but I'm not a huge fan of historical stories um, anyway. Um, I just feel that there's a lot of exposition and a lot of toff, basically, in those stories. Um, but Revenge in Rhodia I thought was quite interesting. Um, for those that may not know, it's a f- kind of... Semi follow up, I guess you would say, to, um, the death of Diana story. Uh, fan- the phantom comes across, oh, well, here's that, um, Savannah, the lady that helped him, uh, free Diana from the Rodian prison, is killed. Uh, he goes and investigates and finds she's actually alive and she has decided to take revenge on, um, several of the Rodian military leaders. It, it was quite, it was quite a fun story. I I would describe it as fun um, because I enjoyed reading it, but I felt it wasn't probably the best story. Um, I know Savannah, when she originally appeared, was shown as, you know, quite... Um, cold. I'd, cold, yeah. I was going to say hard, but that's not the right reason. But yeah, yeah, cold is a better de- definition. But I'm not sure if, again, at the end where she basically said to the fan, no, I'm killing these people and that's it, I felt... That was a little bit forced. They maybe tried to make her a little bit too cold. But then, on the other hand, I think that if she hadn't, you'd feel a little bit cheated, maybe. It was kind of an interesting way to end the story, anyway. I'm not, I'm kind of undecided about how I feel about it, but I did, did but enjoy it. But
1: I think that's also a good thing if you're undecided on the story. Yeah, well.
0: It means the character can go anywhere. And I hope she I hope she does return. I hope we see more of her.
1: Yeah, I think she's definitely interesting. She's an interesting character. Um, I know a lot of people, you know, think she's a great character.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's interesting because she's kind of the antithesis. I will, I will
1: admit, yeah, in reading the Sundays, because I followed the Sundays and read them you know, online, when she, you know, pulled the gun and shot the fan, I will admit that was a bit of a shock.
0: Yes, it was.
1: And then you know you were kind of like, what you know you were waiting for the next weekend to be to see what would happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I guess from that perspective, the Sunday story did its job because yeah. you want people to be left in a cliffhanger to hurry up and wait for the next week.
0: Mhm, exactly. But um, yeah, I think she's an interesting character. Like I say, she's she's quite an antithesis to the Phantom. You have two characters that are fighting for what they believe is right, but one's just fighting a bit more fiercely, I guess, or, or her tactics yeah. are a lot more deadly. Um, I suppose so, uh, you could yeah. almost compare her to the Punisher in a way. The um, version of the
1: Punisher, right? Eh? The Punisherette. Yeah.
0: yeah, exactly. I guess,
1: um, I guess that's probably what the, f- the first fandom would have been like. You exactly. know, it had been the first, because the first fandom, you know, it was raw. You know, he saw his old man, you know, get killed and all that. So it would have been, um, the experience, the bitterness, the hatred would have been a lot more real than what it would be for the 21st down the line.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Very, very true. All right. So any other, um, issues you'd like to discuss that you've read lately?
1: No, not really. Um, no, not, none other that I've read, um. What I've read lately. There's a new free that comes out this week, but I guess we can discuss that uh, next podcast.
0: Yep, it sounds good. So um, I think that'll do us for the issues. Okay. So um, any other Phantom, Phantom-related stuff you'd like to discuss before we finish this up, Jermaine?
1: Uh, uh oh, I guess briefly. Um, uh, I've found a, uh, there's, as people know on the Fandom Wiki, there's a, a quite a lot of different um, countries out there that have published the fandom throughout history, um, and I've been doing a bit of research on the fandom um, publication in Indonesia, um, which is which has been quite interesting. Um, so I have found a collector of Indonesian comics who has a couple of the fandom comics from the 70s and I think 60s, um that, that had local artists actually creating phantom stories and doing oh, wow. covers and stuff like that. So um yeah, so it's there's a bit of uh history that um a lot of people hadn't known about. Um so it's so yeah, that's that's some interesting um phantom history which um hopefully, you know, we'll be able to share with some other fans and stuff like that.
0: Oh great, that sounds great. I'll have to check that out. right, well, I think that pretty much does it for this episode. Um, It's rather a long episode uh, this time, but we had a lot to get through, so thank you for listening. Um, If you haven't already, be sure to check out the website. It's chroniclechamber.com, and we're also on Facebook, um, and we have another page on Facebook, Phantom Collector, which is, as the name suggests, specifically for the discussion of Phantom Collectibles. Um, and, of course, check out our forums as well and discuss issues and news and so forth. So, um, thank you very much, Jermaine, for joining me once again. No worries.
1: Thanks for having us, Matt.
0: Anytime, anytime. All right. Well, that'll do us this episode. Thank you very much to everybody who tuned in and listened to The X-Band. And we'll see all you Phantom fans on the interweb somewhere.